0: The power of the Holy Spirit is to put power in you as a child of God so that people's lives will be changed forever.
1: Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going through his series called Close Encounters with Jesus. So, get ready to follow along in your Bible as we join Pastor Mike.
0: And if you have your Bible this morning, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of Mark, chapter 5. And we're going to look just a little bit at chapter 4, realizing how much goes on in the unseen world. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your word today, we just ask you now that your Holy Spirit would come now in a special way to bring about your truth and open our eyes to the unseen world. And so as we would spend this time together in studying your word, may your Holy Spirit speak to us and cause us, God, to never ever be the same because your word says that when we see you, when we meet you, when we encounter you, we are never the same. Father, as we study now together, may your Holy Spirit bless, touch every person listening in this room, across America, around the world, on the internet. Father, in Jesus' name, amen. One of the things the Bible endeavors to do more than any other book on earth is to cause us to be aware of the spiritual reality that what you see is only a small portion of what's really happening. We remember the story, and most everybody, that if you've been a Christian any length of time, you're probably very familiar with the storm on the Sea of Galilee that we find in the last few verses of Mark chapter 4. Now let's just read it together and we'll start at verse 36 and then we'll go into chapter five and find out why the reason this storm happened. It says, verse 36, now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat. And as he was, the other little boats were also with him and a great windstorm arose and the waves beat on the boat. So it was already filling and he was and, but, but he was in the stern asleep on the pillows and he, and they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose, rebuked the wind and the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But when he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Faith. And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the seas obey him? Couple of things here that I think are really astounding. The first one is Jesus, I believe, was totally exhausted from ministry. You don't fall asleep on a boat that's sinking. These guys were trained fishermen. They know they knew what a Eurocyclodon was. It was where the winds come off the Mediterranean Sea, whipped up the Sea of Galilee, They're inland a little bit, and the d- disciples realized that they're sinking. And so they woke Jesus up and said, Alas, Master, we perish. By the way, Jesus, we don't want to wake you from your sleep, but we're all dying here. And so they wake Jesus up, And Jesus gets up, rebukes the wind and the seas, see a glass, and he says, where's your faith? Now, a lot of times we look at this, and there's so many things that when we really realize in the Bible, everything is interrelated. In other words, you don't just take one thing, but really in Jesus, everything's related to us. Why is that? Because you are a spiritual being. You have been created by God. You're not a cosmic accident. You're not evolved sludge. You are divinely put on this earth for a purpose. Now, here's why that's important. Because what you see is only a percentage of what's really going on. When we just casually read this, we would say, hey, look at the storm on the Sea of Galilee. But when we get into chapter 5, we realize why. Let's look at this. And they came to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had been dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains. And the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken into pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out, cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. Interesting part of this story here. You might say that Manigatera was the first cutter. You know, that's kind of a weird thing going on, and the young people of America today is cutting themselves. Well, I think we can look here in the Bible and tell us right exactly where that was coming from. Remember this, the devil is bent on self-destruction. And the Bible tells us that this man was completely out of his mind. Why was the storm on the Sea of Galilee? I believe, friends, that there's a lot bigger world going on around us than what just simply we see. And again, if you don't get anything else out of this message this morning, realize this. That God wants to open our horizons to see beyond what only people see. But when we see, we see in the Spirit. Why is that? The storm just looked like a storm on the Sea of Galilee. The the disciples were very concerned. They were fishermen. They thought they were going to sink and die. Jesus was asleep. I don't know if you've ever tried to sleep on a boat with everybody seasick. Generally doesn't work. The only explanation I can come up with for Jesus falling asleep on the cushions of the boat was that he was so physically exhausted from ministry that this is what allowed him to sleep on a boat that the disciples thought was sinking. But when we realize the devil, I believe, was trying to prevent this boat, Jesus and the disciples, from getting to the Gadarenes where he would have an encounter with Christ and that these this man would be delivered from his demons. Now, something we want to look at here, this man was probably the joke of the community. Oh, yeah, the crazy guy that, and and I I mean, I think every town sometimes has one of those. Oh, yeah, the crazy guy that, you know, the big beard goes, you know, I mean, everybody talks about these kind of, so first of all, he was ostracized by his community. Second of all, he was ostracized by others, and third, he was completely crazy, now, again, when we realize that the devil wants to protect those things that he's destroying, remember this, God brings you into the picture full of his spirit, full of his power to change the course of what normal would be. Now, notice it says, he had been bound often, in verse 4, with shackles and chains. No one could tame him. He was out of his mind. You know, a lot of times people who dabble around in the occult think oh it's kind of cute and there's new tv programs where they got the ouija board out there and they're moving the letter around and all of a sudden the, the cursor flies off the table and everybody's all freaked out and they think playing around with the underworld is fun. Well, the Bible very clearly tells us you are getting into something so dangerous, something so far beyond your personal ability to handle it, God's warns, says, no, get away from it, run. I believe that God puts inside every human being a defense against the underworld. But I believe that defense can be compromised through alcohol, through drugs, through sin, repetitive sin, I believe it can be weakened by getting into the occult. We remember a man came to Jesus and he said, Jesus, my son, is a lunatic. Oftentimes he throws himself into the water and into the fire. I asked your disciples to cast the demon out and they couldn't do it. What was interesting there is he said, my son is a lunatic. The word in the original Greek is the word moonstruck. Now, we know today that a lot of occultic practices are done under full moons. And evidently, maybe this uh, son of this father uh, was at some occultic thing. And we know that paganism was rampant in the Roman Empire. And so he may have went to some full moon extravaganza. And in the process of doing that, weakening himself to the defense against the underworld, he somehow allowed himself to be possessed. And just as that son was throwing himself into the water and into the fire, he had a tendency towards suicide. Now, the second thing is, so does this man. The Bible tells us that he would go and he would cut himself with stones. He would live in the tombs. Now, we think oftentimes tombs in southern Idaho, we don't really have the idea of tombs, in that we bury people. But there they bury people too, but there's a lot of caves over there, and this guy made his home living in the came, caves where the dead, decaying bodies were. Talk about somebody that had really lost control of his faculties. Friends, that's what the devil always does. That's how the devil works. He presents something as looking one way, but the reality of it is completely different than what the truth is. A lot like the American news media. Another topic. But the point is, is that the devil always has a way to make something evil look good. You ever notice how you watch the movies and the television programs, how they glamorize sin. Again, going back to some of these new programs where they're glamoring, uh, glamorizing the Ouija boards and the occult and all these things. And it all looks so good until the devil really gets a hold of somebody. And when he does, that person's never the same unless Jesus Christ comes into his life. The reason why? The devil hates human beings. He hates you. He hates me. Why is that? You know, he even hates people that aren't even born again. Isn't that amazing? Why is that? Because if you go back to the book of Genesis, the Bible says that you, me, we were created in the image of God. And I believe every time the devil looks at humankind, he goes, Ugh, how can I destroy him? In fact, many people believe, and I've shared this many times, but many people believe that's what caused the whole revolt of Satan in the first place. Because the Bible says that God was going to create man a little lower than the angels, I don't think that bothered Lucifer or the host of heaven, but then the Bible says that those who chose to love him, having never seen god's grace, or maybe I should say god's god's greatness his his majesty, the throne in heaven being worshipped of the angels, but a veiled lover, you might say that we have chosen to serve God. We've chosen to be part of his plan and what he wants to do in our lives. The Bible then says he was going to elevate man above the angels. I don't know if maybe that is what caused the rebellion that we find in Isaiah chapter 14, where it says that Satan was, Lucifer was beautiful in all of his ways until pride entered his heart. What? Somebody's going to be better than me? Whatever it was, it must have been pretty substantial, but the Bible says that a third of the host of heaven went along with them the third of the stars. Well, I believe that this demonic force that's in the world today is alive and well. It wasn't just in the time of Jesus, it's around today. You know, I think a lot of times we as Christians come in contact with people, we don't understand why they act the way they do. Now remember, there's a bigger world around us than just what we see. Jesus said this. He said, don't judge according to the appearance of anything. But when you judge, judge a righteous judgment. What is a righteous judgment after the spiritual nature of the matter? In other words, it wasn't just the storm on the Sea of Galilee. I believe it was an attack of the underworld to keep Jesus and the disciples from getting to this man. Because I believe that Satan has a limited knowledge of what is about to happen. This is why I think some of the, the fortune tellers have a little success because of the study of the humankind that he's had a chance of observing for 6,000 years. And as he looks at us, he knows what our patterns are. And he knows that Jesus was on his way to Gadara. And I believe he knew exactly what was going to happen. And so Satan tried to prevent it through a storm. Think about some things in your life where you have been prevented from doing what you know God wants you to do because he wants you to stop in your tracks. We remember that God sent Michael the archangel to fight against the prince of Persia. And we remember that he withstood him. There's always going to be something that's going to try to stop you from doing what God wants you to do. And sometimes they are very well-meaning, very uh, very uh, understandable issues. But we have to remember something else. God is greater than those things. And again, to see it through God's eyes rather than our own eyes. To see it through our own eyes, we would say, oh, what a nasty storm. But through God's eyes, this was an attempt, I believe, of the underworld to stop Jesus from doing and delivering this man. I don't believe there's anything the devil likes to do any greater than to destroy humankind and make a mockery of him. You look at some of the people that Satan has gotten a hold of. You sometimes see these TV interviews with mass murderers or whatever. I don't think there's anything the devil likes to do more than take a creation that God made, you and me, and make a total mockery of him. Well, this is what we find. This man was, he was the laughingstock of the city, laughingstock of the area. He was insane, the Bible says. He couldn't be controlled. He was self-destructful. He would cut himself with stones and supernatural strength. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What do I have to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, Come out of him, man, unclean spirit, And he answered and said, what is your name? And he answered him, my name is Legion, for we are many. Now, this is interesting to me. I think a lot of people get hung up here on the name. Uh, A legion in Roman culture was 6,000 soldiers. Was this man possessed with 6,000 demons? Probably not. But I believe this is what is said. That's not his name, if you notice. They said, we're legion, for we're many. That wasn't the spirit's name, friends. That was just the statement saying, there's a lot of us, we want to whoop up on you. I really believe that this man had intimidated any and everyone he had ever come in contact with. They would bind him with chains and he would snap them like they were confetti. What was with this guy? I don't believe the name was so much to identify, but rather to choose off. Hey, we're legion. We're a force here. And that force always worked with intimidating people that would try to bind him. But you might notice here, it didn't make any difference to Jesus. Whether there's one or a million, it doesn't make any difference. Was there really 6,000 demons? I don't know. But I know one thing, there are no match for the Spirit of God and no match for the Spirit of God that's within you. So we need to be aware of, first of all, who, who God is. Second of all, our authority in Him. You have authority in Christ. If you're a born-again believer today, there's a couple of things. First of all, you have supernatural protection. I like that. Supernatural protection. God envelops us in His Spirit. How else could we be involved in spiritual warfare if we ourselves were not equipped to meet the challenge? So God does that. He he gives us that supernatural envelopment, that protection to be about our father's business. This is one of the reasons why the seven sons of Sceva, they were vagabond Jewish exorcists, going around adjuring demons. Well, one time they came across a guy that was really demon-possessed. And they came to the man and they said, By the Jesus whom Paul preaches, demon, we adjure you. And the demon responded in this demon-possessed man. And he said, Jesus we know, and Paul we know, but who are you? And the Bible says he leaped on these seven brothers, tore all their clothes off, and the last we find of them, they're still running naked. Why is that? Because they weren't protected, they weren't enveloped by the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is not just so we can swing on chandeliers and knock over rows of pews and do things like that. The power of the Holy Spirit is to put power in you as a child of God so that people's lives will be changed forever. Certainly this man in Gadara, his life was about to be changed forever.
1: Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening.